Hey guys, Dylan here, producer of the Ecommerce Alley podcast. Now, before we get into this episode, I wanted to let you know about a special offer that we are giving all of our podcast listeners. If you scroll down below this episode in the show notes, you'll find a link to a special podcast listener deal on our scientific e-commerce Facebook ads testing course. Now, normally this is $27, but we're going to give you a special link to grab it for only 10 And included with that is a 30-minute ads expert call where we help answer your questions and implement the content. Thank you very much for being a valued listener to our podcast. And now, on to this episode. So with me today, I have Phil Rivers, who is a partner at Commerce 12, which is an operational e-commerce and email marketing agency. Uh, Phil is probably the probably the most experienced from the standpoint that I have in email marketing more than anybody else. I see his ads all the time. Uh, Phil is a top three Clavio partner, which I have no idea how you make that happen unless you're really good at email. He's driven more than $150 million in sales with email. And that is like a lot of money from email. And recently I even saw him going through Clavio headquarters uh, with a crown, a scepter and a cape like he owned the place. So <laughs> finally, through some connections and enough interrogation and finding where and Phil lived, he's on the podcast. <laughs> and serendipity. And serendipity. That's for sure. Um, Phil, good to have you, man. Thank you for having me, dude. Awesome. Well, I would like to know as a top three Clavio partner, and we're going to dive, we want to dive really deep into some of the emails, some of the things like if you're listening right now and you're like, hey, I'm doing email, but I want to do it better. I want to see some ways I can do it better. I'm sure Phil's going to give us some really solid stuff here. Um, but I want to know, Phil, from you, like, what does it take to uh, be a, just so I understand, to be a top three Clavio partner? Because I feel like that's uh, a pretty high, high thing to hold in a good way. Yeah, that's so awesome. The, the way that they, quantify it it's the number um how much of their mrr we manage Mm. so the over our how many clients we have and what that contributes to their clavio's mrr Mm -hmm. that's number one and number two is business that's referred to clavio okay and they have some like gamification metrics internally and it's they're they're always changing sort of how score is kept but that's a simplified way of how it's done how much we manage of their mrr that's our clients and how much business we, we refer them. That's awesome. Wow. So you are, bring me back a little bit. So have you done email from the beginning or was there a turning point that you decided I'm going all in on email? Nah. So back, so like in early e-com, my early e-com days, this is before Shopify, before Facebook ads. Um, I, I designed T-shirts that coincided coincided with the releases of Nike Dunks, and I sold those T-shirts in message boards. The only back then, all you could do was build a list. That's hustling right there. It was grinding, <laughs> dude. Um, ultimately, me and my me and my buddy got that brand to be in like twenty stores throughout California. It with in addition to being in countless message boards uh, mm-hmm. across the depths of the internet. Um, but all we could do back then was build a list. So over the, I guess as sort of my maturation as a person um, and as a marketer, I've done other things like, you know, design and Facebook ads and so forth. But at the end of the day, I, ha- I was at a crossroads maybe in 2018 um, where I was sort of jack of all trades, master of none. 
And mm. I was like, the, the path to, to, to growth really is, is systematizing this, picking one and just going hard on that one thing. And email was what I knew the best at the time. And so that's why I chose email, just because I saw the matrix and I knew it would be easy for me to manufacture results for whoever my client was. Mm-hmm. And you know, the rest is history, kind of. Wow. So you're all in. How many brands ballpark have you worked with, would you say? 400 or so, maybe. Wow. So everyone listening, whatever your niche is, uh, Phil has probably worked in it. So I'm going to assume that whatever we cover today, I just want to set the stage, like whatever we cover, pay attention. Like I think that success leaves clues and you have to follow those clues if you want to have a greater chance of winning. Now I, I would, what I would say is like, Phil, from my experience and I am not an email marketing genius like you like I've not done the level of email marketing that you've done uh, but what I tell all of our clients and people we work with we live and breathe Facebook ads and I always say if I was to break down revenue percentages for all the e-commerce brands we've worked over the last near 10 years I say that typically 50 to 70 percent on like a really aggressive high st- side comes from ads for new customer acquisition but then we'll see between 20 and 40%, maybe depending on promo cycles, time of the year, and the niche on email. So I always say that ads are usually the number one producer of revenue, and email is a second. And if you did nothing but those two things, you would win really, really big. And I usually the organic and all of that is just the small miscellaneous percentages there. Uh, what kind of results do you see when you're, run, when you're running email in these accounts? Yeah, so I think that sort of um, that breakdown is pretty typical, and give or like you know, there's nuance, give and take, right? So like some businesses are better at media buying than others, therefore media ads will take up a bigger piece of the acquisition pie than email will would, right? Generally speaking, most people aren't that talented when it comes to media buying, so I mm-hmm. I tend to see um, email um, account for from an acquisition standpoint. In the in the like the forty fifty percent range again it just this comes down to what's happening under the hood mm-hmm. in the business but I think the last thing you said is spot on um, if you just do ads yeah, you have one acquisition channel that's paid and mm-hmm. email you can you can scale to two fifty three hundred four hundred k a month just with those two things you don't have to overcomplicate it with TikTok and and Pinterest or whatever other whatever the other that other people are trying to grift right now it's you just need one one traffic channel and email and you're golden you know what i wish i just had a big like uh bell i could ring right here to say holy crap phil has just said what i said in the last podcast was what i said it was called the zero to one million dollar path and all i said was you need one paid acquisition channel uh for new customers and you need email and if you just did those you can get to a million like take everything else and put on maintenance mode or just stop doing it all together and you can grow to that point so the fact that you just put it in those terms is what I just said in the last podcast, which is very uh, validating that we see the same thing. But you actually just said numbers higher than I said. I said zero to a million, easy, one page channel, and then email. You said you can see things up to three, four hundred thousand a month just following so. that. Again, this comes down to like the, the the sophistication of the team that's of the brand that's that's doing stuff. But if you stay focused and you have the systems and processes locked in, like you can just ride these two channels to that level. That's not to say at at 300k you're not testing another acquisition channel mm-hmm. but by and large you just need one one channel for traffic and email okay all right so- well let's let's uh let, let's let's do this so let's let's pretend uh i am listening right now i have email let's say my email is producing like nine percent right email is producing nine percent 
I'm doing 10 grand a month. So I have some degree, you know, ads are kind of working. My email is there, but it's not 30%. It's not 40%. Like you said, some of the things can get up to just dependent. Um, what, what kind of things would you do? What would you tell me I need to do to get that up? So I think, um, what I see across pretty much every store that I look at, whether they're at 10k a month or a million dollars a month, the first the first sort of like catalyst that everyone tends to overlook look is what their offer is converting at to capture new leads, hmm. like what that the lead conversion rate is on their pop up or whatever page they're driving traffic to, uh, what what that conversion rate is, and people tend to sort of like under index the importance of that one little thing, but if you don't get them right there. You can't email them after, so it's you're just beholden to Zuck and paying the retargeting impressions in perpetuity. So that that one piece is so is so crucial and re- where really sets up your email and potentially your SMS to drive results. If you're really focused on that one KPI of capturing as many leads as possible from all the paid and organic traffic you're already getting. So let me mm-hmm. give you some KPIs on that. So I would say at minimum, any offer that's being run for ecom should convert convert meaning capture the lead at five percent minimum with the goal of finding an offer that converts at 10% or above. And that compounds really quickly. That becomes very powerful if you're if you're capturing 8% of all traffic as a lead every single day for 365 700 what would that be 730 days that's 2 years. Mm-hmm. Like your your list is growing and if then if you have the plumbing stuff the campaigns and the flows in the back end done right then you're that's how you really start to just manufacture these crazy results but that's the one thing everyone misses is lead conversion rate hmm so pop up you mentioned sms in that are you talking do you usually request the email up front in that pop-up or do you do a two-step where it's like the email and then we also ask for the sms after what does that process look like so i think it's brand it's brand dependent so Mm -hmm. i would say like it comes down to what's important to the brand. Generally speaking, I'll always go email first mm-hmm. because like it's tried and true. <clears throat> the uh, market broadly is accustomed to receiving marketing message messaging in the modality of email, right? So there's they have there's a much higher tolerance for receiving marketing messaging in the inbox versus via text. So I always prioritize S- email first because it's tried and true. Mm-hmm. And SMS, there's some brands that are that lend themselves better to text than others, right? So for example, this one client that I had a long time ago, <clears throat> sold cloud hosting solutions to law firms. Not the best application for text message, right? Yeah. And so, like SMS is like the the the, the cool kid, but it's does just because it's you can do it doesn't mean that you should. I think it really depends on the business. But two step email first, SMS second is what I generally do if SMS works for them. Okay. And from a, uh, well, from that like first offer, let's talk through like some, some technical stuff of it. When do you typically have that pop up? Is it after a certain scroll depth, exit intent, percentage or uh, yeah. time? So, so I would decouple, uh, exit intent and the, the scrolling, the, the percent of page view pop up. Generally speaking, I'll say 60% of page view for the pop up and exit intent would be a separate sort of, um, would be a separate pop up altogether. Mm-hmm. Different offer. Okay. So do you do a certain, uh, you said you, you wait, do you wait a certain amount of seconds before you do the initial pop-up again, man, I would say like generally speaking broadly, I would just say 60% of page scroll. Oh, 60%. Okay. And again, look at like the GA in terms of like when people are bouncing the Google Mm -hmm. analytics in terms of like when traffic tends to bounce or the average time on site and sort of like back into when something should be shown from a, from a timing standpoint, like in seconds. 
but like all these sites are different. So I don't want to, that's why I'm apprehensive to be like, yeah, set it at 10 seconds because it doesn't, it's not, doesn't widely apply, but 60% of page scroll, it does. Okay. Okay. No, that's fair. Um, so you want to get the offer to five, 10%, 10% would be the ideal goal. So your list is consistently growing. What, what's kind of the next step from there to, to try to up the revenue on email side? Yeah. So if we look at it fundamentally, there's emails, there's campaigns, which are broadcasts that you can send, um, you know, to, to anyone based on the audience that you decide to send it to. And there's these flows, which are evergreen. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I just look at email as very simply those three things, the pop up campaigns and flows. Mm -hmm. So the beauty about these, the flows is that like, they're not set and forget. That's another thing that everyone misses. But once you set them up, the, the overwhelming majority of the traffic will go through them. So it makes it really easy to set up tests based mm -hmm. on leading and lagging indicators and priorities that happen within the business. So from a flow standpoint, fundamentally, what everyone needs, this is not rocket science. It's well-documented, maybe even on, on your YouTube channel, uh, but definitely, definitely on other people's YouTubes and on Google. You need a welcome flow, browse abandoned, cart abandoned, checkout abandoned, and a new customer flow. That's like, I would say, table stakes for any brand. And dude, I see brands that are doing, again, a mil, two, three, four mil a year that are missing just some of those fundamental ones. Hmm. So like, it sounds so simple, but even the big dogs miss it. Hmm. But if you can, if you just, the earlier you do it, the, the sooner you'll start to read the rewards. Okay. What's a, what's a, uh, so what's like a really advanced flow that you really like, or that you're like, I really want, at some point I want to get this in because we see it do really well. Yeah. So like, I don't, Honestly, dude, it's not even about advanced. It's okay. for me, it's really just about simplicity and consistency. Okay. And so granted, there's some nuances like within certain businesses where just like given what they sell, the business model, like they need some stuff that's more advanced. But by and large, like the advanced trips people up more than it helps them because they get so intricate in the weeds of doing like all this little for these use cases that are like less than a percent of the overall like business and it's just like it doesn't even move the needle if it works so it's like what's the point of expending all this time and effort and money to do it when it like it's really more of like a um uh, what's an uh, what's a nice way to say this um it's really more of like an ego thing like mm. oh i'm i'm busy i'm like doing this and it's complicated therefore like i'm smarter i'm good but it doesn't actually help mm. it hurts more than it helps quite frankly so i just think it's like it really the way that i look at it is like what are the customer like life cycle stages within the business and what flows do we have there to plug holes? Hmm. Okay. Um, and maybe, maybe I, re I phrase that improperly, maybe not advanced. Is there like an, a less common one that you've, you've done that you see what do well, this like well, not as normal. That, yeah. Yeah. So I think like all just in the aggregate, what people tend to overlook, mm -hmm. right. Is, or where opportunity pockets of opportunity for sales are within businesses that most people don't realize is, a lot of people, what they tend to do is build out all these flows to manufacture subsequent purchases, like purchase three, four, five, and so on. But if they looked at their analytics, they would really see that the, the overwhelming majority of all opportunity for them to drive sales in the business is purchases zero to one and one to two. People are always looking to maximize lifetime value for purchases three and greater, but they don't do a good job of manufacturing one to two. And you can't get to three unless you get to two first. Mm. So they're sort of, and so they miss that. Um, but again, I literally, I would say 95% of the stores that I look in, they do a terrible job of manufacturing purchase too. So then it becomes to answer your question, the way that I look at it is what 
is the entry product, like what's purchased first in overwhelming majority of the time, right? So what I tend to see is 20% of the SKUs make up 80% of the sales. So what's the, what's the best performing entry, entry item that's purchased? And if they buy that X, let's call that X, what do they tend to buy second and when? That's the other people, thing that people overlook is, is like the deviation of time between purchases. So if you know that people, entry is X and purchase two is Y, and then it's just like set up a flow to manufacture the outcome of selling Y within the period of time in which most second purchases happen, mm-hmm. then you're playing like minority report. You're not leaving it up to chance. You have all these advanced flows, but no one's, you have them there to like check a box and feel good, but they're not actually driving a business outcome that is, that is beneficial. Wow. That's really good. You know, I've never actually thought of it from that perspective. Um, most people struggle to get from zero to one and then from one to two, let alone trying to think of like three, four, five, six and beyond. That's really, that's really interesting. Rather, rather bucketing LTV, not as like this long thing, but rather how do we just get them to that second purchase from that first one? That's an interesting perspective. Um, so flows, you set these up. Is there a certain period of time you wait before you decide to go back and analyze or optimize them? Hey, thanks for checking out the e-commerce alley podcast. If you've been enjoying this episode so far, it would mean a ton to us. If you leave us a rating on whatever podcast app you're listening to. And as a token of our appreciation, if you take a screenshot of your review and email it to team at the we're just going to go ahead and shoot you a $10 Amazon gift card just as a thank you. Now, back to the episode. So within the, so within the flows, I think it – so if we think about like the, the like operations that any e-com store has to run e- email in month to month, in a monthly basis, right? They have to check what the KPIs on their pop-up, make sure those are good. They have to. They have to be sending. I would. We can talk about campaigns. We can go into this in a second. But mm-hmm. I would say roughly eight campaigns a month, two campaigns a week on average. Okay, and then they have their flows. So if you think about the time that a, that a brand has that is small to dedicate to doing all of those things, it doesn't. Nec- there's only so much they can do from a flow standpoint, mm-hmm. in month, in, month in and month out, from yeah. a testing standpoint, because they're also bogged down trying to figure out what campaigns to send and writing them, designing them, all that stuff, right? So the way that I would generally approach like testing for flows is I rattled off like five key ones, welcome flow, browse, abandon, uh, cart abandon, checkout abandon, and new customer, okay? Mm-hmm. What I would look at in, in, every month is what are the engagement and disengagement metrics of the of not, not the flow itself, but it's all about the email within the flow. Mm-hmm. So it's not like how's the welcome flow performing, it's what is the contribution of all of the emails within the welcome flow. Okay. And then looking at what are the, the – all we can really affect in email is open rate and click rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tied – the click rate is tied to the placed order rate. But like once email gets the click, like its job is done. Then it's the job of the site to get them over the hump, right? So it's an indicator, but it's not a direct indicator of like this email is good at selling or bad at selling. It's really all about the click rate. Hmm. So if I'm looking at – I know this is a, a word salad. Um, if I'm looking at, uh, flows, I'm looking at like, what are the highest leverage flows that I have live right now? What is my bandwidth to run a test personally, like from, from a time standpoint and where is, what is the lag, the leak, uh, excuse me, the lagging indicator of the email of the emails that uh, make up that flow. Mm-hmm. For example, 
the highest leverage flows that I tend to see are welcome flow and like abandoned cart, right? So if I see in either of those two flows, like let's just say hypothetically it's the second email, the click rate is sub 2%. I know that if I can get that click rate to 4% in the welcome, that's mm -hmm. gonna lead to double the clicks and double the sales. Just because I focus on that, isolating that one metric of improving the click. So it's not okay. about doing the most tests, it's just being very sort of like um, self-aware of what's being tested and like the upside that it has on the business. So just being very efficient with time, smarter, not harder, I okay. guess is what I would say. Okay. Um, now you mentioned eight campaigns a month, so two a week. Yeah. As far as like, uh, so Cadence, two a week, is there like a particular send days you usually do or does it just vary by the brand? Yeah, so I would say, I mean, two, I, I say two campaigns a week. This is like the prerequisite here is like, what's the size of the list, right? If you're okay. just starting out, maybe you're only do your, your store, the store is at 10K a month and I use that because that's an example that you gave earlier. Mm -hmm. And the list is only a thousand people. There's not really enough like what I'll say like opportunity volume in the list to send at that frequency. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I would say like it's really when the list starts to grow in the five, 10 K range, it really makes sense to send twice a week. But beneath that, I would say one once a week is sufficient. OK, what could focus on more traffic and what kind of uh, from the campaign side, what kind of KPIs do you look at there? Like, do you do you aim for a I know Clavia will, Clavia will show you dollar per recipient. Do you ever have a target yeah. around that? Yes, not, not, not really, to be honest. Sometimes okay. I really just look at like what is the overall um, revenue contribution from campaigns in a given month. And I know that for any given brand, like just like if I'm auditing, auditing an account, it should be anywhere from 17 to 25 percent, depending on list size, frequency, AOV, um, what they sell and, and how that product they sell is consumed. OK. OK. Gotcha. Um, and. I'll say so. I get a lot of I get a ton of questions in our Facebook group and in our coaching community around like what the heck do I send because people run out of ideas all the time. Like let's say for example, a, a big a big common one is like if I have a single product brand like a subscription box or something. A lot of times we're like, well, I just have the same thing over and over again. What do I send to my list? What would you say to to someone with that mindset or yeah, that question? So so one product store is hard. Mm -hmm. Because there's like a, there's like a, like a, 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 again, a spectrum of time in which most people, if they're going to buy, buy. And mm -hmm. if you only have one product, there's only, you don't have that much to position in front of them when they're in that window, but especially once they're out of the window. Right. And so I think like, if it is a one product store, just the, the, I think the strategy just has to be different. It's really buy or die in, mm -hmm. in the case of that type of business. Um, because so like going back to to the deviation of time for a sec, what I tend to see is the over, I would say 95% of all initial purchases take place within 28 days of the lead opting into the list. So you have 28 days to convert this customer, otherwise the probability of them ever converting is very, very small. Mm, okay. So if you're a one product store, in theory, you have about a month to get these people to buy your product. In which case, you don't really have a lot of LTV, I'm guessing, depending on what the product, what the, what the underlying store sells. And so then in that case, I would say it just becomes uh, how aggressive, what, I want to be very aggressive in that window of time because if they don't buy, I'm pretty much dead in the water. Okay. So would but you- a bigger store, go ahead. 
Oh, sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, so in that scenario, let's say I have a subscription box, one product. Would you recommend then building out some kind of an automation, like a, a flow that hits them every day for 28 days or be more aggressive, like you said, just to say, hey, if they're not going to buy, they're not going to buy. And we need to take advantage of that window. Again, uh, barring like the size of the store. Mm-hmm. And but yes, generally speaking, I would say like I, I would over overall not give that advice is to build a very deep flow um mm-hmm. in the in the first month because it, there's you don't it's very rigid but if it's a one product store and a subscription box and every lead that you get is going down this flow i would just optimize the heck out of that one thing because it'll be the most efficient okay that's good now i have answers for some people <laughs> nice and then and that's not to say don't send campaigns yeah but um in that in that instance yeah i would i would one campaign a week and just optimize the hell out of that welcome flow okay and then you you started to say large when you have more products or larger. Yeah, well, when you have more products, then it becomes it's more sort of like um, you're playing like a kind of a cat and mouse game with the audience. So I have this whole concept of like debits and credits. Okay. And what I mean what I mean by that is with your list, like if you're always asking them to buy something directly, like it's a very direct response offer. For example, like get ten dollars off this product mm-hmm. today. Um, you like sort of you run through the equity or you like credit the equity in the list very very quickly when you do that if you're doing that all the time so you need a way to like debit the the equity account in their minds so you're not always going super hard on the list saying bye 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 that's not to say you're not including CTAs but it's just the frame of the message is i would say value centric rather than direct response sales centric and so it's a it's a it's a mix in this this two campaigns a week or eight campaigns a month. It's a mix of value um, and direct response offers because you're constantly you don't want to you don't want to over credit or over debit at any given time. Okay, do you, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, I'm just I'm thinking through some clients we've worked with in the past. Like we have we have one client that they send an e- they do an email a day. So in there, they get great. Re- they've been getting great results, like forever for it. Um, mm-hmm. Do you what? Do you have a point that you're like, hey, at this point, you should start increasing the frequency of yeah. the campaigns? Uh, yeah. So I, I don't have a point that I can give that just like applies broadly. I think like th- that's where like the nuance of the business comes in. Like that account that's getting results, mm-hmm. I would venture to guess that their click rate is actually quite low. In, in their account for their campaigns if they're sending at the frequency of one a day. And mm-hmm. so then it becomes, it, it's a risk reward thing. It's a conversation that has to be had internally at the brand or, w- or with the client about like, okay, we can ramp, but the, the, the risks or the sacrifices in doing so is engagement's gonna go down, unsubscribes are gonna go up. Now, if you're happy to pay that price for the, for the, for the sales in, mm-hmm. in return, cool, let's do it. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think that it's not it's not as easy as just saying, like, as you get bigger ramp to a campaign a day, because mm-hmm. there are there are consequences uh, in doing so. And some people aren't willing to pay them, pay the price. You know what I mean? Yeah. So but I see it all the time. Generally, I just like at that frequency, the engagement's going to go down because you're crediting the list. Hard. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it makes sense, especially when uh, when you're doing a lot of yeah, just direct response emails and not as much value integrated in that too. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I know you have, you have a ton of resources. I mean, I've seen trainings galore from like Facebook ads and stuff that I've seen your face on. Do you have anything like around the, around campaigns or planning? I could have sworn I've seen things like that before that we might be able to just give somebody. Yeah, dude. So I have this like campaign resource. It's 29 campaign ideas that people could okay. just take. 
the, for, again, for me being in the game for so long and, and having done sort of like coaching and consulting and working with so many brands, I've seen that like one pain point the market has is like they don't know what to send. And so this is like an easy way to I, I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of I don't have resources to hire an agency necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I need, I know I need to send emails because I listened to what Phil just said. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Then it, it like sort of gets them started at maybe the 30 or 40 yard line as opposed as opposed to the one. Okay, sweet. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, if your team wants to send over that URL, we'll just we'll uh, let's go alleypodcast.com slash Phil P H I L. So anyone who wants that, we'll just redirect that to wherever sweet. whatever URL Phil gives us. There. I'll send it to you. Awesome, cool. Um, I okay. So Chat GPT has obviously been blowing up. Are you guys leveraging that at all for creating email subject line ideas or content ideas? Yeah, so I would say what I'm, more, what I'm more so using it for now is I would say avatar creation and re- like hmm. really getting in, really like getting into the weeds on like what are the what are the fears, frustrations, and aspirations of the market for the product or brand um, that we're selling for. Interesting right? from a, from a psychological standpoint. So I would say it's a load of it, my my answer is it's layered. So the first thing is like if you don't know the avatar, you can't write the copy, therefore you can't sell. So I always start with like the avatar, where's the market at and mm-hmm. where are they coming from? Um, and so I'll use that for, for ideation. And then I, from like a copywriting standpoint, like we have, I have like frameworks again for copy. Like there's different types of uh, like structural subject lines that exist, mm-hmm. right? I didn't necessarily come up with them. They're just, they've, it, they've been around a long time. And so I'll take those sort of like frameworks and I'll, and I'll plug them into chat GPT and give it sort of uh, give it an angle or some, give it something so it can contextualize mm-hmm. those subject lines, sort of like frameworks with what I give it to spit out some creative ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say I, I use it pretty like, I don't know, strategically, just based on like what we're trying to get out of it. But by no means what, what I do this or what I recommend anyone do is just like write me an email campaign for a moisturizer for man 30 to 35 in a, in a funny tone. And, and with this product link, because it, it's just going to give you the, the most vanilla basic output yeah. and it's just going to suck. It's not going to do well. So I think it's about like knowing what the tool strengths and the weaknesses are and using them for that, but always critiquing what it gives you because it tends to spit out a lot of stuff that just isn't very good yeah. from a marketing standpoint. That's what we've seen. We, uh, we've, we've been, a lot of what you're saying kind of lines up with, with advertising too. Like, I think a lot of times we just want to get in and, and write headlines or write copy and throw an image up and just launch with it. Um, but you have to understand who are you talking to? Like that avatar, like you said, like what are their fears? What are the pains that they experience? What are the desired outcomes that they have? And how do, does your brand and, and your product, how do they tie into that story? And I think that it sounds like you're saying a similar thing with email. Like you really have to dive into that aspect before you can really write emails that are compelling and drive value as well as direct response. Totally, dude. I just think that if you're using it to like cut corners and think that this makes it, you can just copy, give it the inputs and just copy paste what it gives you. You're screwed. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. I just had a, I just had an interview with a guy named Matt Harward and Stafford Newsome that are 
he's like the CMO of messy global brands and he has a lot of other stuff that he does. And he's talking about chat GBT cause they're leveraging AI like crazy. And he, he said that really it's just an amplifier. And a lot of times we'll amplify bad ideas with bad inputs and, um, yep. and they use it as amplifier productivity. So not to just copy and paste everything that you get in there, but rather to leverage it for improved productivity ideas and iterations of what you already know and have a hundred percent. It's, it's one of those things, dude, where it's like, you know, it's so easy to use that everyone, they just have like a first order consequence approach to it. Yeah. But if you really go into it, like this is a tool that I'm going to sharpen my sword on the tool, just like you would ads manager or Facebook ad media buying or email or woodworking. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's a, it's a tool to be used and it comes down to you as the, as the user in terms of how, how good you get at using it. I love it. One, one last question I have for you. What is, uh, What's the largest like mistake that you see people doing or lar- largest thing, thing that people do that you're like, ah, you really shouldn't do that with email. Can I get more than one answer? Yeah, sure. Far right. away. So missing, missing out, like not paying attention to the lead conversion rate. That's huge because it sets up everything after like that is systemic. Virtually everyone's making, making that mistake. The second is like, um, I'll say great is the enemy of good enough. So one thing people don't realize is that, the lifespan of an email is like maybe eight hours. So all of the opens, clicks, and sales will come within roughly an eight-hour period after it's sent. But people uh, laboriously spend days and weeks trying to get the email perfect, the copy, the design. They put all this effort into it, and in eight hours, it's done. So it has a shorter lifespan than an Instagram story. But people spend a month trying to make make it perfect. And so, and so much so, that it causes them to send less emails, therefore less opens, less clicks, less sales. Hmm. So the the most important, the, the other biggest mistake is like not trying to be perfect and optimizing for frequency and sends as opposed to the perfect stuff. Because at the end of the day, it, it, it lives for eight hours, 12 hours later, no one remembers what you just sent anyways. <laughs> Interesting how that works. So just send it. Like yeah. that's the most, that's the most important thing. And then the third would be you like people that are using, I would say like the, the template flows that Clavio gives you or MailChimp or any of these platforms is like, again, it's not meant to be there as something that you just turn on and it, there's no sort of like brand or uniqueness put into it. Mm-hmm. Like you do that, you, it's sort of like out. So it just lowers the ceiling of what it can do for you. And so if you do that and email doesn't work, it's not that email doesn't work. It's that your input sucked. Hmm. Okay. That's so those good. are my three sort of like biggest mistakes. We got we got two sets of three here. So I do want to recap kind of what um, kind of what we just covered for anybody listening that was driving or not taking notes like Josh was. Um, first thing is <laughs> uh, first thing is I, I had three big big action items and then three takeaways you just give at the end there. So number one, we need to optimize for that initial lead generation with the opt in with the pop up. Uh, SMS as that second. So like overall though, we need to get grow our database. A good uh, offer is gonna, we wanna get at least above 5%, but the goal would be 10% of traffic converting into that. Um, The second thing is flows. And you just stated you don't want to just turn the templates on and just roll with copy and paste. Like you need to take some time to improve that. 
And then the third thing was campaigns. Uh, eight a month is your, what you're typically doing, unless the email list is really small. And if you're just getting going in that case, just get to that once a week to create a frequency and then only increase that if the impact or the opportunity would make sense to do that. Those are the three bit, three big things that I have. Um, not always driving, uh, doing direct response emails, but also making sure you sprinkle in value driven emails with that as well. Another really, and this is just a little side note that I thought was really interesting. That 28 day windows an interesting to think about thing to think about. I've never actually looked at that to know that. Um, but if, 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 Anyone listening knows, like, hey, I have 28 days to really get this person to take action. It should pump up your frequency or make you really think around your customer life cycle and say, how do I make that happen and not send once a month and actually optimize my flows to help with that? Um, One thing that I'll add right there is... 95% 95% of all sales take place in the first 28 days, but 85 to 90% of all sales take place in the first seven to 10. Say that one more time for me. 85, uh, 95% of all initial sales take place within 28 days of opting in for a lead, mm-hmm. uh, someone opting into the list. But 85 to 90% of all sales take place within seven to 10 days of opt-in. So meaning wow. that once they get once they get to day 10, the, the likelihood that they buy degrades substantially. But after day 28, it's virtually zero. Wow. So it, that's why that's like, that's why that the welcome flow and the browse abandon and the card abandon are so crucial, because if you think about the user journey, someone opts in, they get the welcome flow, they get back to the site. Maybe they they browse and they bounce like you have to have those there to pick up the sale. But you really have 10 days by and large for most companies to, to get that initial purchase. Wow. That's, that's really powerful right there. I think that just shows why email is so important. I think the other, the other angle that I always, why I think it's so valuable too, is because like when you're running ads and you're running ad spend behind that, and there's so many people that come to your website, they don't purchase, you lose attribution on Facebook, but they end up joining the offer, the welcome offer, whatever that is. And then email catches them. And this is just validation. Like if you want your ads to do better, you need to really have email tightened up so your ad spend is more effective and efficient. And um, I see you raising your hand. You, I don't know. If, one more well, thing to add on that. I just want to say like this, this shit's all connected. And so like an, an analogy that I use is like there's Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, Kobe Shaq, right? They're like, they're, they couldn't have done what they have accomplished without the other one. So like what I'm trying to say is teamwork makes the dream work. Facebook ads can't do it all by itself. Yeah. Especially nowadays. It's not... 10 years ago anymore. Yeah. Oh, the glory days, man. I know. Um, <laughs> well, th- this is really wonderful, Phil. I j- thank you for being on the podcast, man. I appreciate you. Um, everyone needs to go check out Phil Rivers. If you can find him on social media, go connect with Phil. Um, we're going to go ahead and, and if you go to alleypodcast.com slash Phil, P-H-I-L, we're going to redirect to those 29 campaign ideas you said we, we could give people, Phil. And other than that, Everyone, you've been listening to the Commerce Alley podcast produced by the legendary Dylan Counts. Thank you so much for listening in. And if you want to join our free group, go to alleypodcast.com slash group. That'll redirect you to our Facebook group. There's like 2,700, 2,800 people in that right now. And we'll see you in the next episode. Peace. Hey, guys, it's Josh. Thanks for listening to the audio version of the e-commerce alley. Did you know that we actually have an amazing set in high quality video production that gets posted on YouTube every single week? If you've never watched the e-commerce alley on YouTube, you have to. 
Go to allypodcast.com slash YouTube to check it out. Once again, thank you for listening to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy this episode.